Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 120, and we're going to continue in our series, The Story of Scripture. And today we're going to talk about when God's people rebel. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. Okay, so we're picking up with the fall when God's people rebel. So I'm going to go ahead and read our little paragraph that we've written for this section of scripture. Satan, in the form of a serpent, twists God's words and makes Eve doubt God's goodness. Eve sees the fruit, desires it, and eats it. She chooses her own way instead of God's way. This is going to be a theme we see throughout this story. Adam then joins in this sin with Eve. Adam and Eve choose to rival God instead of choosing to be his representatives. Once they sin, we immediately see the faithfulness, mercy, and holiness of God. God meets them in in their shame and provides the covering for their shame. That's his mercy and faithfulness. But then they have to leave the garden. That shows his holiness. God puts a curse on the serpent and we see the first glimpse of the gospel when God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and between her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Adam and Eve have children and the pattern of sin continues. Adam and Eve's son, Cain, kills his brother Abel. People continue to sin more and more until God is so heartbroken that he floods the earth, sparing Noah his family, and a ton of animals. Even after the flood, sin continues to wreak havoc and people continue to choose their own ways instead of God's. They decide to try and make a name for themselves by building the Tower of Babel. We got a lot to cover today. Yep, So where exactly do we find this? We're talking right about the whole story of scripture. So where do we find this idea and these people and these promises that we're going to talk about? Where do we find that in our Bibles? Yeah, so this section starts in Genesis 3 and goes through Genesis 11. Perfect. Okay, so I first have to say real fast, because we talked about it last time. We talked about the snake. What's up with that? Where does it come from? (laughs) And you threw me a little curveball and said, where else do we find this in scripture? And so I've made sure to make a point to give some references. So we see... Um, if you want to look more into this, Isaiah 14 um, verses 12 to 15, Ezekiel 28 verses 12 to 19 and Revelation 12, 9 are some good places to look. And you can write those down in the little key scripture box on your listening guide. There you go. So why do we call this the fall? Like it's typically how it's known, right? Like if you think a lot of people, when they think of story of scripture, we talked about how they think creation, fall, redemption, restoration, fall is always kind of just the word that we've used. Why do you think we use that? Yeah. So it makes it sound like it's, um, like we were created good and then like accidentally by mm-hmm. no fault of our own fell into something evil. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember that that's actually not accurate. It was a clear and deliberate choosing of self over God. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you said you've been reading some good Nancy Guthrie stuff on this. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Nancy Guthrie. She's, she's just, she's very, very good at what she does. And she has written on the story of scripture and how scripture all points to Jesus. And one of the things she says is that, um, with one bite, they traded the freedom of enjoying what is good for slavery to what is evil. One bite, one bite. But I mean, it, it, it can sometimes, and, and to be completely honest, you may have thought 
things like this before of like, it's one bite. Like, why is that such yeah, a big yeah. deal? Why is, why is the, the, um, repercussions of this one decision seem so vast and, and that's our sinful nature to be honest. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself here because I've thought things like that before, but really what, what that means is we're saying, Oh, it's really not that bad, yeah, yeah. but we have to remember that there can't be any bad. In, in God's creation, right? So anything, any choosing of self over God is saying, you're not good enough for me, God. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's best. I am my own God and I'm going to choose what I want. And so we have to remind ourselves the severity of it, even though we may not fully grasp the severity of it. Yeah. I mean, I talk about this with my girls a mm-hmm. lot because like one will hit the other one and they're like, oh, but I just barely did it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but you still hit your sister. Right, right. A sin is a sin. They hear yeah. me say that a lot. A sin yeah. is a sin. Yeah. You know, you're being disobedient to me and more importantly to God. Yeah. It doesn't matter how hard you hit her. You still hit her. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's yeah. a good point. That's a good example. It's a way to relate to it. So like we said, we're going to take this by people, places, promises. So we're going to first start with Adam and Eve. And like we talked about on last episode, they were living in perfect community with God in the garden. But then that evil serpent comes up Uh. and he questions them with this question saying, did God really say? Um, So I'm going to read that section of scripture and it's Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it there's so much I want to unpack in this but (laughs) we just don't have a ton of time to go into each of these things I think kind of like we mentioned in that first paragraph right like we see her desire it we see her look at it desire it it, take it it, eat it and um that's just a pattern for what sin looks like in our lives if we think about it for reflective we often we look Mm -hmm. we desire we sin Mm -hmm. um and so we've we've talked about this before so if you want to know more about this you can go back to our Genesis series where we we got to kind of really practically Mm -hmm. walk this out in our own lives but it's a good reminder for us to think okay where can we stop this is a progress where can we stop that progress of sin we see it desire it stop before you take, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, um, we didn't read this far, but like we talked about in that beginning paragraph, we see as soon as they enter into this sin, it's so many things happen, right? Like you might, your question as you're processing through this, your question might be like, well, they didn't instantly die. So, so who was wrong? Who was mm-hmm. right here? Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, that's something I've kind of wrestled with too. And what happens is death enters the world. The right. process of right. death has begun. Um, and there's a spiritual, um, and there's a relational mm. death that happens mm-hmm. instantly. That perfection and dwelling with God and walking with him in the garden is um, marred. Mm-hmm. And and so they didn't physically instantly die, but that's that's a different understanding to, to what's happening in that moment. Yeah. One of the things that always stands out to me here is that 
the thing that got Eve kind of trapped up was her desire for knowledge, Mm. her desire to know what God knew. And this Mm. always stands out to me because this is a huge struggle for me. I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. And I actually just recently wrote a blog for Hope Mommies um, about this exact thing, about how God is omniscient and we are not. We Mm. are not supposed to be omniscient. Mm -hmm. And that's hard in today's day and age with Google and all the things like, We can try to know, Mm -hmm. but we're not supposed to be that. And so from the very beginning, this is what, what was hard for Eve is she wanted to know, and this ended up leading her into this sin. Mm. So I think that's just kind of a practical thing that we can think about when we're constantly searching for that, that knowledge and that wisdom Mm. and just remembering that it's God that's all knowing and all wise. Yeah. I think that's true of anything. Like maybe you don't struggle with necessarily wanting all knowledge, but any boundary that's kind of been put mm-hmm. on us as creation, yeah. mm-hmm. we buck against and we're mm-hmm. all going to, you know, buck, maybe buck isn't the right word. I don't know, but we're all going to push against mm-hmm. a certain boundary that's put on us. But those, I mean, like David says, like the boundaries have fallen for me in pleasant places. Like those are mm-hmm. for our good mm-hmm. and for our joy. Yeah. It's just hard sometimes to remember that. It's so hard. Yeah. So next immediately after, like we talked about in that paragraph, God comes to them and he's like, Hey, where are you? Not because he doesn't know where they are. Right. Right. He's He's all knowing. We literally just talked about that. (laughs) Um, but he's giving them a chance to come to him as father, as holy and righteous God and present themselves, um, as sinners before him. Um, and that doesn't perfectly go how it should have gone. Um, but like we said in that paragraph, God is the one who provides for them a covering Mm -hmm. for their shame. And that is just pointing to the gospel. I mean, it's pointing to what Jesus does for us by covering us in our shame and our sin. And it's such a beautiful picture of that. And like Casey said in that paragraph, like we see God's faithfulness and we see his mercy in the way that he could have just smited them right and said okay right. well you guys failed let's try the next ones mm-hmm. you know and he doesn't he's continually long suffering um, but we also see his holiness and we're going to see that next when we we see God's um response to their sin we see this beautiful tension which is hard for us to grasp because we don't it's not modeled well for us by any person earthly person yeah, yeah. but he yeah. models this beautiful tension between holiness and righteousness and then mercy and faithfulness mm-hmm. and yeah. grace um yeah. so why don't, do you want to read for us what comes next yeah so bef- right before they're cast out of the garden god makes one of his biggest promises mm-hmm. in the whole bible mm-hmm. um and this is where we first see the gospel, like Aaron's saying, and it's called the pro- Proto-Evangelium, which means first gospel, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Genesis 3.15, and it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So he was promise- promising us a savior, just like Aaron said, in, mm-hmm. in his son, in mm-hmm. Jesus to come. Um, so if you're following our little template, this is, this is a promise mm-hmm. in this section. The fall is a very, very sad and kind of we think of it as a very like dark thing Mm -hmm. but even amongst that we have this light and this Mm -hmm. promise from Mm -hmm. God that's beautiful yeah and if we are thinking about the rest of this series we can think of the fact that every other promise kind of flows Mm -hmm. from this promise from this promise that God says it's not always going to be this way I'm going to send um, someone to save and redeem you and to give you a way out of this and and um, so every promise from here on out flows from that. So I think another promise, if you're writing in promises here, another promise, and this is actually, I'm going to pull from Romans, um, but it's about the fall. So bear with me. But in Romans 5, 17, it says, 
For if, because of one man's trespasses, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through one man, Jesus Christ. And so the promise here is is what that proto-evangelium is talking about, that yes, everyone is born into sin. And we did not even get to talk about that, but everyone is born with a sin nature. Let's cover depravity real quick. (laughs) You can go back and listen to the Genesis series on that. But because Adam and Eve chose to sin, we're all born with that sin nature is the basic synopsis of that. So because of that, that's what Romans is referring to. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, we're all born in sin. But then it says, but because of the blood of Jesus, because of the righteousness and perfect life that Jesus lived, we all all get to enter into relationship with God because yeah. of him. And so that the promise here is that, yes, we're all sinners, but the promise is that we get redemption mm. through Jesus. Yep. And Nancy Guthrie, she says, the fruit of one tree, talking about Adam and Eve, the fruit of one tree brought death. But the fruit of another gives life. Oh, it's so pretty. I know. Love it. With those with those tweetables right yes. there, Nancy. <laughs> tweetables. <laughs> Do you even tweet? I don't tweet. I don't know how to tweet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so there's, like we said, there's so much we would love to go into on this. But the point of this series is to give you a little so you'll mm. continue to study. Yes. So if anything yep. jumped out at you, you know where to go. You're in the beginning of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can dig into that. You can use some of the resources on our resource list yes. to... Um, we have a huge resource, resource list. list. Yes. Um, to dig into some more of these things. Um, you can use like Desire and God. You can use the Gospel Coalition yeah. and find some really great um, information on these. Sit, sit in the scriptures. So what happens next in this story? So, okay. How weird would it have been for Eve to be pregnant? Can you imagine? Like, what is this thing inside <laughs> of me? Why do I feel so <laughs> sick all the time? You know? Yeah. It must have been. I, I mean, yeah. unless God like gave her some sort of understanding you know right. like some sort of supernatural or maybe gift he talked to her i don't know yeah that's like, true that's true that's i true. always thought that i'm like maybe he was like hey eve this is what's gonna happen this is how it's gonna work or maybe he left her to figure it out i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but on the other note of that you know she was just given this promise from god right like the seed your seed meaning your your children your offspring yeah. are going to crush the serpent. Mm. And so she probably would have thought, here it is. Here it is. The Thank redeemer goodness. has come. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Um but if you know the story of Cain and Abel, you know that that's not actually unfortunately what happens because they grow up. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of, you know, and Cain kills Abel in the field. And so I I don't know if I read this somewhere, but I think this is a great line, but it says that neither of them could have been savior because one was mastered by sin mm-hmm. and one was mastered by death. Mm-hmm. And so it, this is the first um, murder we yeah. see in the Bible. First death and first murder. And so, you know, she may have been, you know, raising these kids thinking one of these is going to be the savior. Mm-hmm. And then one is mastered by sin because he kills his brother and the other is mastered by death. And we know that if the, the savior comes, he's going to crush the serpent's head, which means he's going to crush sin and death. Yeah. So yeah, neither of them be, can't be the savior. Spoiler. Neither of them were the Messiah. So kind of flew through that story. But chapter four <laughs> ends. We don't like that story. 
I never have. Like in my little children's Bible, I'd be like, let's just get this story, mommy. Um, chapter four ends with some hope. Um, when Eve has Seth and we see the last verse, um, which is verse 26, says, to Seth also a son was born and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And if you do want to know more about this, we did do a whole episode on Cain. We did. Google. We did. So. <laughs> it's, you got to scroll way back. But um, yeah, so that sounds really hopeful, right? And that, that's great. But then, then we go to Noah it's like, and we pick up and some hope, more hard then stuff. Noah, hope, then Noah. But it's this perpetual, yeah. right? It's mm-hmm. like this, we, we, we see the severity of that one bite in how it continues to affect generation by generation by generation. How it makes people continually want to choose their own ways, yes. just like Eve did. Yes. But then they turn back to God because they see their need for him. And yep. it just keeps going back and forth. Yep. Um, so Genesis 6, 5 through 8 is kind of where we're going to pick off. The Lord saw, or pick pick off, pick up. Pick off. <laughs> pick off. Pick up. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens for I am sorry that I have made them but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord yeah this is a hard hard passage and I feel like a little bit like a broken record right now because I keep pointing back to past episodes and once we get through Genesis we're not gonna be able to nope, do that no nope, not so, till the epistles yes <laughs> Matthew <laughs> so but th- this um there's one of I think one of the hardest verses in the Bible in that section where it talks about the Lord regretted that regretted. he had made man mm-hmm. and that is just so hard and some of that is translation issues from the original wording mm-hmm. to English wording um, just we don't have a perfect word in English for what what um, Moses is trying to say um, I just for a second thought that Abraham wrote this and then I said Moses and then I got really confused <laughs> okay um, but the, the heart of this passage is to show how truly sinful mm-hmm. the world had gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we talk about the story, we can kind of think, well, gosh, that seems severe to flood the whole earth. But the author is saying, you have to see. It was so bad. That every thought. God had to do this. Yes. yes. I mean, Always every evil. Thought. Well, let's see. Only evil continually. Yes. Only evil continually. Like, think yes. about that, what that means. Like, every single thought, always. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty bad. So, <laughs> let's talk about some places. Yeah. So, um, last week we talked about the garden probably being in the Iraq area, somewhere mm-hmm. in the Middle East. And so, that's still where we are. We're mm-hmm. still somewhere in the Middle East, possibly Iraq um, and Turkey area um we'll see that um the boat at the end the um ark goes like the boat the, the boat. ship the, <laughs> what are we talking about here the ark landed on a mountain called Ar- ararat i had to like look mm-hmm. it up this morning ararat and there are there is a ararat mountain range and i believe it's in turkey um now they're not positive that that's the exact same place, but mm-hmm. probably somewhere in that region. So that's still um, where we are. We're going to get moving um, before too long. Our nef- next episode, we'll, we'll get moving places. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then right by now, the end, you'll be like, this is too many places. Yes. <laughs> right now, we're still pretty much in the same place. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
So God tells Noah his plan to destroy the earth with a flood. Um, He tells him to build an ark with very specific instructions, and it'll be about the size of a modern battleship. Just Mm -hmm. a little bit of cool information. Mm -hmm. He tells him to take his family and two of each kind of bird, animal, and creeping thing. We won't talk about the fish. Because <laughs> we're still not sure where the fish went. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that they would stay in the water. Just stay in the water, yeah. Um, and so it rained for 40 days and nights, and water was on the earth for 150 days. So you think, um, you know, when you learn as a child, you kind of think 40 days and nights, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. But they were mm-hmm. actually on that ark for a really, really long time. must have time. smelled really bad. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, I don't even like think about a zoo and take that time like, and shrink it in. Yes. Ugh. Um, so I'm going to read some scripture at Genesis eight, one through four, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. So that's what I was talking about. That's where they rested after 150 days. And what happens when they get off the boat? So the Noahic covenant is established. I always have a hard time saying that one. I know. It's kind of weird. Noahic. Because it looks like Noahic. 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 Okay. So this is, you'll find the, if you want to study the Noahic covenant more, that's in um, the end of chapter eight through about halfway through chapter nine. nine. Um, And there's, there's kind of. Um, a lot to learn about covenants. My, my, um, recommendation would be go to the gospel coalition and go to their essays and, mm-hmm. and type in covenant. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah, want to know more place. about, um, there's always a covenant seal. There's a covenant mm-hmm. promise. There's a, co- a seal, right? That's what's called. Is a seal and the promise so. the same? I should I have checked that. Know. There's, um, stipulations, there's covenant sign. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different components when it comes to a covenant. And, um, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to the Abrahamic covenant, yeah. but there's, there's always a, the, the idea is one person is saying, if, if I don't fulfill this promise, this is what will happen. And there, so there's mm-hmm. these, this kind of agreement, mm-hmm. like a very serious promise. I mean, you can think of like a marriage covenant. Yeah. That's, that's probably the closest thing we have to this kind of covenant mm-hmm. today because it's a very serious promise. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. So I thought this was so interesting that the promise in the Noahic covenant, God is promising. He says, I will never again curse the ground, mm-hmm. which is, if you remember the same language that he used, he cursed the mm-hmm. ground back in, back in Adam and three. Eve. Yeah. Yep. yep. And he's saying he will never do that again. Yeah. So what a promise. Cause he could, like we said, he's God. Yeah. He's God. So he could. And when you think of, when you usually think of Noahic or you, or you think of, um, like as a kid learning about this, like you hear the wording, like God promised to never flood the whole earth, Mm -hmm. which is true, Mm -hmm. but it goes even more than that, that he says he's never going to curse, um, the ground again, which they would pick up Mm -hmm. on the language. The the readers at that time would pick up, Oh, we just read that. Well, and originally Moses was doing this, uh, verbally. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. he used a lot of the same language on purpose to make them remember Mm -hmm. because he could, he could have changed it a little bit or, you know, like, I mean, he's not going to change God's words, but you know, when he's doing these things in repetition, he's doing it on purpose. So 
they'll remember or God through him is mm-hmm. doing it on purpose. So they'll remember because they're not only, they're not reading it the first time they're, they're just hearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always found that fascinating when I heard Jen Wilkin talk about that, when we were doing God of, uh, God of creation, um, her study, she talked about that. Just mm-hmm. remembering that the Israelites were hearing this story mm-hmm. for the first time. And that's why part of the creation narrative is kind of, is poetic, Very poetic. Yeah. Um, because they were listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the stipulations for this covenant stipulation is a fun word stipulation <laughs> um so we hear again that repetition like you're saying right like be fruitful and multiply which is what god told adam and eve in the garden um he tells them he they can eat animals which that's exciting if if you're not a <laughs> vegan that's exciting uh, <laughs> spoken like a true texan they can't even eat beef <laughs> true okay um this is where they're able they're now given the honor of eating (laughs) of eating because we didn't talk about this in this episode but in in creation he told them the plants were for eating and all all that um so now they're able to eat the animals as well um and then there's now there's um justice right or or punishment for 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 murder. murder um which is kind of funny that that comes in now it's like that might have been helpful back in Canaan. Yeah, I know. I always thought that was kind of interesting too. <laughs> and then there's covenant sign, right? So we the talked about there's covenant rainbow. promises, there's covenant stipulations, there's a covenant sign. And I feel like even non-believers usually know this one. The rainbow. That's the rainbow. Love the rainbow. Um, I heard something super interesting. I don't know where I heard this, but it was like, it was talking about how the rainbow is also can remind us of a like a bow and arrow mm-hmm. and that the bow is pointed towards god mm-hmm. i've heard that before too i love that yeah. yeah yeah interesting i love rainbows okay so our promise in this um kind of this section is that we as christians are covered in christ just as noah was covered in the ark mm-hmm. um just like noah was hidden from god's punishment of sin in the ark we are as colossians 3 3 says our real life is hidden with christ and god meaning if we place our trust and hope in jesus we are safe from god's coming punishment of sin God looks at us and sees Jesus's righteousness. And the um, word for this is imputed righteousness. Mm-hmm. So he looks at us and sees Jesus, which I have a really hard time. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but grasping this. Yeah. Like I forget this a lot. Yeah. I think that God looks at me and sees a sinner, mm-hmm. but that's not what he does. He looks at me and sees Jesus's righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I remember you, you one time said that like to, to go along with this idea that when Noah, when they got in the ark, God shut the door. God shut the door. Yeah. And I feel like that's really true of our salvation as well, right? Like mm-hmm. God has sealed it. God has mm-hmm. done it. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so God has shut that those doors. We can't open them and right. get out of our salvation. Right. Like we are right. sealed and it yeah. is finished. Yep. So next, kind of in the story of scripture, is actually the book of Job. So um, chronologically. Chronologically, yes. Yeah. So Job is situated within the wisdom literature because it is wisdom literature, but chronologically that this time period is Mm -hmm. when Job would have happened. Mm -hmm. So it's on our timeline. And I just wanted to be sure to mention that we're not necessarily going to go into that story today because that's going to be covered kind of on our wisdom literature Mm -hmm. episode. We talk about the Psalms a lot, but we just wanted to mention that here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's helpful because I didn't really know that until I I saw a Mm -hmm. chronological um, version of the Bible. And it makes a lot more sense. Like when you read Job, because it's kind of like it, it doesn't make sense with where it's placed mm-hmm. in the physical in the, yeah, Bible. Yeah. And it's kind of like, wait, they're going way back in time. But it's because he did live way back yeah, in time. Yeah. yeah, so. yeah. 
So then we are moving along in the story of Genesis. We get to the Tower of Babel. Do you want to briefly cover that? Yeah. So I'm just going to read kind of a quick, um, the story of the Tower of Babel, you hear about it a lot, but it's actually only like nine verses. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read it. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and beautiful. Uh, bitumen bitumen for mortar <laughs> then they said come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth and the lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built and the lord said behold they are one people and they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do to to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Earth, 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 earth. earth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is taking place again about the same area modern mm-hmm. day iraq ish mm-hmm. and so what were they trying to do in this in this story yeah because you can you can read this um not knowing where we like this is a great example if you were to just read this passage without knowing where you're at in the story of scripture you could be like i don't understand what's such the problem what's here what's the big deal yeah, yeah. but if yeah. we situate ourselves in the story and we know this continual downfall of sin then we can see okay so what they're doing is they're choosing themselves. Mm-hmm. They want to be God. They want to work their way to God. They think they can make a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that phrase, make a name for themselves, um, means that they they want to be famous. They want their yeah. own glory. They, they're not even thinking about God at all. Good thing we don't do this today. <laughs> Good thing we don't want to make a name for ourselves today at all. It's not convicting at all, guys. Oh my goodness. We continue to see this over and over. And what happens when they do this? Well, I mean, it's it's really quite interesting, right? We have we see this conversation going on, right? Be- mm-hmm. Between God um, and... <laughs> between God. <laughs> right? The I mean... Three of them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's saying us, which yeah. again is Trinitarian language. Yeah. 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 Um, and and he's like, we let's, I don't want to be blasphemous, but in my mind, I read it like, okay, well, let's remind them who is God. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what and he's And God's doing. not vindictive. Like no. that's not, that's not his personality. That's why I like paused for a minute to make sure that that's not blasphemous. But basically what he's saying is, hey, I have this good design mm-hmm. for the way that I created the world. It's that I'm creator you are creation. It's that I have made these boundaries for you. It's that there is a way for human flourishing that you need to live in that is ultimately for your good. And you're continuing to use my weird word to buck against Mm -hmm. that. And when you do that, it's not good for you. So ultimately when God brings down any sort of um, judgment or any sort of um, discipline on his on his people, it's for their good. He's saying, get back in my good design because it's good and it brings joy. Mm -hmm. And that should be the same um, reminder we have as we're trying to make a name for ourselves or as we're continuing to struggle with wanting to be omniscient or when we're continuting to whatever it is, like God's way is good. 
And just like telling yourself that even when it doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel right, like God's way and his design is good. Mm -hmm. And so whatever he does to get us back in line is for our good. And sometimes it's very painful and sometimes it's really hard, but it's for our good. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that's what he does. He says, I have good design. Let's get back to it. Mm -hmm. And essentially what they were doing was creating an idol Mm -hmm. and that's what you do when you're trying to make a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're making yourself and your yeah. fame an idol. And this is a pattern we are going to see a lot through scripture, especially in the old Testament. I feel like it's focused on a whole lot in the old Testament where people build idols and mm. God's judgment mm-hmm. um, comes on them because that is something that he is very adamant about that is not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jonathan keeps telling me about, some idols I have in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, stop, stop telling me I have idols. But he's so right. And I think he's using that language because he knows I've been yeah. in the Old Testament for so long. Mm-hmm. So he knows it's going to hit home. But but we do have so many idols and we we continue to see that. And there's there's massive punishment for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or judgment. So I liked this quote. We used it last time we talked about the Tower of Babel. But I just thought it was really good. This is by, uh, this is Trevin Wax. And it was from a, um, article on the gospel coalition he says isn't it fascinating to see how different languages are a result of our sin and yet god takes even the effects of our sin and transforms them into something that will give him praise at the end of time god is not going to obliterate all languages now he sees the diversity of languages as part of the beauty of his creation every tongue tribe and nation will praise god the different languages won't go away they'll all be in service to praising king jesus is it's amazing to consider how god will transform even the effects of our sin and somehow put them in service to praising King Jesus. Mm. And I love that because, like I said, we're going to continue to see this pattern and we're going to see, especially next week, we're going to see how God takes what people meant for evil mm. or what what um, was sinful and bad and he uses it for, for his good mm-hmm. and his glory. Mm-hmm. And even more than that, like he, I think we, never mind, we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> It's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite truths about the Bible, but I'll I'll wait till we get to that verse. So, what is what's what are some application points for this section of scripture? So, I think we've talked a lot about sin and a lot about a lot of the effects of sin, and so I think just an application point is to remember this is not the end. And we've made some connections to the cross and some connections to Jesus, but I think as we're studying scripture, it can sometimes feel hard because we don't necessarily see the resolution to the problem. So as you're reading, um, maybe an application would just be to remind yourself that this is not the end. Like Jesus is coming to redeem all of this. Um, so I would say that might be an application. Um, and, and even in your own life, that can be something that can be helpful. Like whether you're in a season that feels like maybe you're relating right now to Job, or maybe you're relating right now to the people, the tower of Babel and making idols of yourself, or maybe you're relating to Adam and Eve and you're desiring sin and you want to stop like reminding yourself that this is not the end Mm -hmm. and that Jesus has come and he has all already undone a lot of the struggle that we see here. Um, and so just pressing into Jesus and spending time in his word, um, and, and just remembering this, this is not the end of the story. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So come back next week as we talk about how God calls a family. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox.